All right. Uh, Hi there. Too much uh, trouble and saying a good afternoon to you, Devin. And uh, good afternoon to you, Bob. And a thanks, happy Thanksgiving. Well, yes. I mean, I had a great Thanksgiving with my sister there in Trenton. And how about you? Well, mine's coming. It's sort of like singing for my supper, you know. <laughs> so well, uh, that that sometimes does work, you know. Sometimes uh, they expect you to do something, if not only to wash dishes. I think. Well, I may have to do that too. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome to everybody out there and. Uh, uh, Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And uh, if you want to reach the CCB, uh, you can do so by uh, sending an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. And I don't know whether you're all turkey, dove, or whatever, but uh, I'm going to have ham. That would be good. That would yeah, be good. and we're going to have a Dutch apple pie that I bought uh, at the uh, St. Paul's Presbyterian uh, Church pie sale yesterday, or not yesterday, Saturday. Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. So looking uh, forward to that. Okay. Anyway, um, I uh, had some Thanksgiving music in a folder at home, and so here's a song to get us going on our pre-election special, except that we're going to talk about Thanksgiving for a minute as we hear Diana Krall singing Count Your Blessings. Instead of sheep 
You're not asleep yet, are you? I hope not. That was <laughs> Diana Kroll with Counting Your Blessings. And we do have lots to be thankful for here in Canada. Indeed we do. And a big election coming up. Yes, yeah. So what we did was uh, shortly after the writ was dropped, uh, in uh, on September 11th, we started... Uh, chatting with the candidates and, uh, well, asking for questions and then chatting with the candidates. And uh, so we have most of an election uh, special here. Unfortunately, my sound editing program called uh, Gold Wave decided it wasn't going to continue working. But we have most, uh, we've got a, a 42 minutes anyway of a... Um, uh, question and answer period, um, and uh, they are the main parties uh, that uh, you'll hear. We asked other candidates, but uh, didn't hear from them. So, anyway, here is the uh, election special for twenty nine our twenty nineteen federal election. Thanks, Bob, and hello, everybody. The first question, which deals with accessible elections, will be answered in this order. Andrew McGregor from the Greens, Mariam Monsef from the Liberals, Candace Shaw from the NDP, and Michael Skinner from the Conservatives. And the question reads, what will your party do to make federal elections more accessible. Will your party make testing alternative methods of voting, for example, telephone, electronic machines, or internet, a priority if elected? Well, thank you, Devin. Um, I can tell you that uh, participatory democracy is a Green Party core value. If you're on our website at greenparty.ca, we have a list of our core values, and right at the top of it, um, we list participatory democracy. That means that we want to make sure that um, voting, elections, the whole process of democracy is accessible to everyone. Um, so this it really comes from, our thinking really comes from this core place of, yes, absolutely, um, we, we will do whatever we can to make these federal elections more accessible. And if that means that um, people are experiencing barriers to access, they're telling us what, they're, uh, what the barriers they're facing are, then we can act accordingly. So um, can, we make, um, can we make testing alternative methods of voting? Yes, I think that we should. There's no 
no um, specific mention of these in our platform four policy. Um, but as a member of parliament um, who is capable of voting on behalf of his constituents, I would wholeheartedly support um, introducing testing for any of these alternative methods. I think that's, um, that's a very good direction for us to go. Part of our track record on making sure that Canada is more inclusive, particularly our democratic process is more inclusive, includes uh, bringing back together a group of experts, advocates uh, with lived experience, persons with disabilities and exceptionalities, to guide the Minister for Democratic Institutions on how to make election 2019 more accessible. So that advisory council uh, has already provided uh, some really helpful direction uh, and part of it was to repeal the unfair elections act which was creating undue barriers for many populations including with persons with disabilities and exceptionalities i'd always be open to ways to improve our democracy to increase voter turnout and to remove barriers that are preventing people from participating. Um, some ideas that have come forward are, uh, you know, putting a picture of the person next to the name, um, providing teleconferencing uh, at the polling station uh, so that uh, persons uh, with visual impairment, for example, are able to connect with somebody right away. Um, have a conversation about um, who's on the ballot and in what order uh, and still be able to have an independent uh, and secret vote. Um, so absolutely I'd be, I'd be open to advocating for, for various measures to make our elections and democratic systems uh, barrier-free. I know for right now, the physical accessibility of elections has been paramount, um, but I, I think that you're, it's, a, it's a good thing to look at the wider accessibility beyond just being physically, you know, having ramps and having accessible washrooms for people with physical disabilities um, that, that impede their mobility. Um, along the lines of changing the way we vote, the, the, the paper method is very secure, um, so I think election security is something we have to be very concerned about. Um, and, and for me, and I, I have a lot of hesitation around internet-based voting for that reason, because you know we see um, that the voting machines in the U.S. have been easy to hack, um, and possibly you know have had a, you know it's, it's eroded people's confidence in the outcome of the elections, even if they haven't actually been hacked. Um, so that's something I worry about, uh, but um, I think that anything we can do to make it easier for people to vote uh, would be a good thing as long as we can keep it secure. So though I have hesitations around internet voting for the security reason, um, I think that we do need to make sure that every Canadian who uh, you know, is of legal age has uh, a way to vote that works for them. Um, so certainly we would look at ways to make it more accessible. Yeah. Well, it's not inside of our platform that just was released. It's on the conservative platform. It's something that I personally want to support. And I believe that, uh, and I've said this a number of times over a number of debates in the last uh, last few weeks, and I still find it completely uh, saying that we are you know, voting with just a paper and a pencil, and that we're not, uh, we're not going to electronic. You, know, you can transfer money around the world, and, uh, and we're not doing that. And I think there's a lot of technology out there that it can be helped for. Individuals with a disability or some other elderly, it's a lot harder to, to move around.
Our second topic touches on the Accessible Canada Act and will be answered in this order. Miriam Monsef for the Liberals, Candace Shaw for the NDP, Michael Skinner for the Conservatives, and Andrew McGregor for the Greens. And it reads, How would your party strengthen the Accessible Canada Act? Uh, first of all, I'm really proud of Peterborough Corps uh, for helping to shape Accessible Canada Act. Uh, we had not one but two community town halls to make sure that our voice was included in the final legislation. Um, what we heard was that we need to proactively identify, remove, and prevent barriers in a number of priority areas uh, and ensure that the accessibility uh, in areas under federal jurisdictions is more consistent. Uh, what we heard loud and clear was if there was no funding attached to this, that the legislation would be just a piece of paper, essentially. So we set aside $290 million to be spent over the next six years to ensure that the legislation is implemented and strengthened along the way. Um, one of the things that the minister responsible for the file, Carla Qualtro, has done really well is someone who herself, uh, she's kind of a big deal, she's a Paralympian, right? Um, one of the things she's done really well is, is, is set a new standard for how the government of Canada consults with Canadians uh, in, a, in a very inclusive and respectful way. The other thing that she's done really well is surround herself with experts and people who are going to continue to monitor the implementation of the Act. So locally, I'm going to stay open to ideas and feedback from experts uh, and individuals who have exceptionalities and disabilities uh, to make sure that we get it right because this is, a, this is a pretty big deal for Canada to have an accessible act at a national level and the international community is looking to us for leadership so we better get it right. So I, I don't know specifically what our commitments are around the Accessible Canada Act, um, but I know that our party is very committed to ensuring that, um, that all Canadians are able to have a good quality of life and to, uh, to be able to access the things that they need to do and the things that they want to do. Um, so for me, I would, you know, I would have to do a lot of learning, um, and uh, you know, I have over the years uh, done some work with the festivals and events that I've been working on to try and make them more accessible. Um, 
So I have a little a little basis in, in that. Um, but I think what we would do is we would work with people and do a lot of consulting and a lot of talking to individuals to see what the challenges they face are and how we can weave that into legislation to ensure that people have an easier time uh, just living their lives. topic is transportation and responses will come from NDP Candace Shaw, Conservative Mike Skinner, Green Party Andrew McGregor, and Liberal Miriam Monsef. Will your party commit to strengthening accessible transportation regulations for passengers with disabilities under the Canada Transportation Act. For example, extending the one-person, one-fare rule to include all flights originating in Canada, including those on international carriers. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I can't speak specifically to what's in the platform um, because I, I can't remember there being anything specifically about that in the platform. Um, but I know that for myself, I can commit to saying that I, I think that any kind of char extra charges along those lines are completely unfair. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we need to do a lot, I think, to pull airlines in particular uh, into a more ethical way of doing business. Um, I think that they, you know, we, I think there was a recently an introduction of a, um, a bill of rights for air travel. Uh, but I, th I think that anything we can do to, um, to bring airlines in line with, uh, with, with, I don't know how to say it, maybe like a more a, a more ethical way of dealing with people uh, would would be best. So for me, I think that uh, I would absolutely commit to saying that it, there shouldn't be extra fees for people who need, you know, assistance or mobility devices uh, or, or guide dogs um, or, or support animals on uh, on on flights that that to me. I, it's it's not surprising so much, but it is enraging. <laughs> the notion that they would charge someone extra. I mean, I know that when you have um, when you have a disability, uh, there are so many extra expenses, and it's like being born with a with an extra tax that you have to pay. Um, and I think anything we can do to remove uh, those barriers, uh, especially around um, financial, financial barriers and affordability, uh, is an excellent thing and something that we need to be thinking about any time we pass any kind of legislation. Once again, I can't speak specifically to what's in the platform, but I can tell you for my part that I would certainly uh, fight for something like that. That's, I mean, like I said, anything, anything we can do to remove barriers uh, and make the world more accessible to all people uh, is a good thing in my books. Um, and, you know, I know that uh, as, as someone who doesn't face those particular barriers, I don't even know what they are a lot of the time. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something that we, we design the world for people who are, you know, physically able, who are able to see, who are able to hear, who, you know, and, and we need to be scaling things in a way that uh, makes sense for everyone to be able to participate fully in, uh, in society and live the life they want to live. And so we do not have anything in our platform today about this, um, but again, I believe you know, there's a number of problems and somebody that's responsible for all of the constituents. It's something that uh, I would have no problem bringing forward and working with uh, the Minister of Transport and any other ministers of this ties together. Again, I think this is something that uh, you know, we really need to look at all of the ways we deal with situations and make sure that people with lived experience are actually included in, in the conversation. Yes, I, I would definitely um, like to see the strengthening of the Canada Transportation Act for um, accessible transportation regulations. Uh, when I think about um, having a, uh, an international company come into Canada, want to do business in Canada, that we should be able to say uh, with certainty that um, that company should abide by Canadian standards. And if that means um, that uh, extending one person, one fair rule, um, that they have to play by our rules um, or not um, participate in our economy. I think that that's good. That's standing up for people's rights, and that is something that I that I get behind 100%. Yes. We've introduced a passenger bill of rights, uh, and its intent is to ensure that people 
who are flying uh, on airlines in Canada have a basic set of rights that protects them, uh, and that most certainly includes persons with disabilities and exceptionalities. Um, I, to be honest with you, this is something that I need to do a bit more research on. Uh, it's a very specific question that, uh, believe it or not, I've never been asked. So let me look into it uh, and wrap my head around it a bit more. Uh, that said, uh, making sure that mobility is something that every Canadian is able to benefit from is a charter protected right, uh, and it's important for our economy to make sure that people can move around. Uh, certainly you've seen our investments in public transportation uh, that show that we want to make sure people are able to move around. Uh, you know, the new buses we're investing in, for example, are accessible. We've also uh, been able to invest in handy vans locally. I don't like that name, but that's what they're called right now. Um, but let me let me look look into uh, the specifics of your of your question with with a bit more detail, and then get back to you on that. Is that okay? Our fourth question addresses the topic of assistive devices, and will be answered by Conservative Michael Skinner. Green Party, Andrew McGregor, Liberal, Maria Monsef, and NDP, Candace Shaw. And the question reads, Will your party introduce a national assistive devices program to help cover the costs of needed equipment? Again, this isn't specifically in our platform, and so... I can't answer about conversations that, um, that haven't been part of the, the overall platform, but again, I think it's a number of parliaments that to make sure that we're working with all Canadians, and all Canadians need to be treated fairly, and they need to be treated equally. And if there's something that's missing one Canadian over another, I think we definitely have a responsibility as a government to make sure that we're helping all of those individuals. Yes, we will. In fact, um, I had to pull out our 2019 policy. This is the document that kind of guides the creation of the platform. The platform is the, um, the big publicized document, but um, in our policy um, was a key element that was exactly this. This was to uh, support a national equipment fund to provide equipment such as wheelchairs and accessibility tools to assist with persons um, with the tools needed to fully participate in work and community life. And um, there's some discussion in the policy too about um, this being a joint program with provinces um, where the concern is that um, equal access and a common standard between provinces exists. So um, yeah, that, that assistive um, devices program is something that is uh, stated explicitly in our policies. I know that what we have in the platform that we put forward for Canadians includes uh, some support for persons with disabilities to be able to purchase various equipments and assistive devices. Um, Again, it's a very specific question, and obviously I can't uh, make commitments on behalf of the whole party, um, but what I can commit to is advocating for them. I have friends who um, use a wheelchair to get around, and I have friends uh, whose entire life is put on hold if that device uh, breaks down. 
Um, and, you know, there aren't that many people locally who can fix them. Uh, and those individuals are in high demand. Uh, so I have a little bit of understanding uh, around how important those devices are, um, and I am willing to advocate for them. I think that the um, Accessible Canada Act uh, it, and its implementation uh, is a good place to work on to uh, on this particular uh, topic to ensure that, you know, Canada is only as, as accessible as the tools that we provide individuals and the barriers we remove, right? Um, and the attitudes, frankly, that we, we all hold. Um, so it, it would be something that for, for both personal reasons and also for, for overall advancing human rights uh, that I would most certainly be advocating for. Yeah, I, you know, I again, it's not in the platform that I can recall, but I, I think that that's something that for me, you know, falls much in line with healthcare. Uh, I think if if someone needs an assistive device, uh, I think that there should be a fund that does pay for that. I don't think that should be on the individual. Uh, ideally, um, you know, and it would ideally, I would like to see us be able to. Um, provide people with the devices they need and not the bottom line, you know, bottom of the line device, but like a quality device that's going to last them and is going to meet their needs. Uh, you know, and I, I've known people like I, I have a friend who um, she, she could get a search. She has a, she's, she's got only one leg and she has um, a prosthetic leg and she had to fundraise to get a knee, a robotic knee um, for her leg that would uh, allow her to walk much better. Um, and it, it's, it was adjustable, and there were lots of different advantages to it. But I think one of the biggest advantages is that long-term, over the span of her life, having that robotic knee uh, will make it so that the rest of her body isn't working so hard uh, to compensate. And, and and as a result, her long-term health is going to be better because she's not going to be dealing with you know muscle strain or back pain or those sorts of things. Uh, and you know the the robotic knee was thousands of dollars. Um, and for me, I'm like that having the right device means that down the road you're not uh, having to always be compensating for not having the entire range of abilities that you you want. Um, and so for me, I think we, we need to be making sure that people are getting the right assistive devices, not just, you know, the basic or the cheapest or, or whatever it is. And we need to be investing in those technologies more because as we were discussing, like there are cool devices that are being invented all the time to assist people and to make sure that they can get around and that they can live a full life. Uh, and we need to be taking advantage of those new technologies as they come out and making sure people have the best. Um, so, I mean, again, I, I can't speak entirely for the party on this one, but for me, that is uh, something that makes perfect sense and that I think that the government should be doing. The topic this time is a living income for everyone. And the speaking order will be McGregor, Monsef, Shaw, and Skinner. And the question reads, How will your party ensure inclusive employment for all who want it and ensure an adequate income for those who cannot attain employment? 
Yeah, so employment and um, adequate income is a concern for Canadians with disabilities as well as uh, Canadians on the whole. Um, there's two parts that I'd like to bring to your attention in our platform. Um, and the first is that the Greens uh, support the Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council. Um, their framework on equity, diversity, and inclusion in scientific research. Um, and we commit to strengthening the Canadian scientific and engineering communities to include the full participation of equity-seeking groups, including women, visible minorities, Indigenous peoples, people with diverse gender identities, and people with disabilities. We would like to see that the Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council is um, properly funded to make sure that they can hire um, in all different directions, including people with disabilities. So that is a, a direct commitment in one direction that we've made, but um, in specifically to your question about a living income for everyone, and especially for people who cannot attain employment, um, the, there, we have a cornerstone in our Green Party platform, which is guaranteed livable income. And I'm certain that you've heard something about this by now. It's been in the news. Um, I, um, another party is making a similar promise. Um, what we're finding in Canada is that employment is uh, increasingly being replaced with automation or even being lost overseas. So there are some circumstances where people want to work but can't um, or maybe um, can't attain work at all. Um, but we have enough wealth in Canada to make sure that everyone has enough money for their home and food. Uh, and it's through this that we'd like every Canadian to receive that guaranteed livable income. This is essentially a payment that is made straight from the federal government right into your bank account, um, and it's based on the market basket measure. Uh, the market basket measure is a calculator that expresses the real cost of living in a region. Uh, for example, in Peterborough, we might pay more rent um, than, say, in Lakefield, um, and we might pay less rent than, say, Toronto. So there's a real cost. Um, our food is different, our gas is different, uh, our medical expenses are different, and so the market basket measure makes a real cost of living for a region, and the guaranteed livable income is based on that measure. Um, uh, this removes the burden on any person um, to make sure that they always have the stability and dignity of their home, no matter what happens. And this is in addition to some of the supports that I've already discussed. Um, for example, the um, assistive devices support that the Green Party would like to espouse. We're not talking about replacing all of our social supports, um, but making sure that every Canadian has their home and food. That's what this is about. I'll start with this. There are more persons with disabilities and exceptionalities working today uh, than ever before. And part of that is because of the investments that we have made over the f past four years to make sure that everyone is able to contribute to our communities and to our economies. Um, an example of how we got there, um, we increased the cap on the Canada Student Grant for services and equipment 
for students with permanent disabilities. It was at $8,000 when we first started uh, when under Mr. Harper, uh, and it is now at $20,000 per year. So that additional support both for, you know, costs of being a student as well as for equipment, which we just spoke about, uh, is making a difference. Um, for those who are on, who, who for autistic people, uh, and their families. Uh, we made uh, sure that there are improvements made to the Canada Disability Benefit uh, and the Canada Child Benefit. Moving forward, if we're given another mandate, um, in our platform you'll see uh, that we are making it easier for persons with disabilities, or we hope to make it easier for persons with disabilities, to work or attend school with a new $40 million per year National Workplace Accessibility Fund. And the specific focus of this $40 million a year fund is to make small and medium-sized businesses more accessible. Small and medium-sized business owners I speak to regularly talk about how they need people to come work for them. They have vacancies and they're not able to, for various reasons, find people with the right skills. Well, if there are people with disabilities who have gifts, who want to be part of that small or medium-sized business, this $40 million a year program is going to help those businesses attract and retain them. Um, there is also a commitment to double uh, the child disability benefit uh, and that's going to make a world of difference uh, for families and for children with disabilities and exceptionalities. Um, community Living is a pretty important organization in our community. It's also part of a network of community living um, uh, movement, frankly, uh, across the country. And they did a really good job with their advocacy. They showed up to Ottawa uh, and they made a very clear ask. And the result of that in budget 2019 was $12 million was set aside over three years, uh, starting this year, to provide the Canadian Association for Community Living uh, in partnership with the Canadian Autism uh, Spectrum Disorder Alliance to support a program called Ready, Willing and Able. This is, uh, as you know, a national employment initiative. It's goal is to engage employers to increase the labor force participation of persons with intellectual disabilities as well as those uh, with autism. Um, and all of this uh, is predicated on the fundamental belief that our party has that everyone has something to contribute and the more diverse and the more inclusive Canada's workforce is, the more innovative we'll be, the more competitive and the more productive we'll be. So we have a couple of different things in our platform. Um, we do want to strengthen worker protections um, and we want to make employment more fair and equitable. Uh, there are lots of different sorts of barriers that people face uh, in, in trying to get work, and especially well-paid work. Um, and I think we want to make sure that we're breaking those barriers down um, and, and ensuring that employers understand their responsibility uh, and, and making it easy for people uh, who are uh, trying to get work to ensure that they can do the work because, you know, you might be intellectually able, but if you don't have the right assistive device, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to work. Or, you know, any there's all kinds of barriers. So I, I think we need to make 
um, employers more accountable for their hiring practices. Uh, I think we need to make workplaces more accessible for a range of uh, different people. Um, and I and, and and some of the other things that we're looking at. So we're looking at a basic minimum income pilot. Uh, which would be a national pilot across the country. In every province, we would try it out in, in some cities, selected cities, uh, and ensure that um, you know we had a good handle on once you introduce a basic minimum income, you will roll back a lot of services that currently exist. Um, but you know some departments, you know they there might we might be able to you know we might be able to say okay, there's ten positions in this particular uh, field of social assistance and uh, nine of them are no longer necessary because it's unnecessary bureaucracy Um, but there's one person who is a really valuable connection for this community and that provides a service that people will need Um, so we need to think about how we roll back some social services while not cutting everything all at once so that people can still connect to the services they need Uh, so that's why we wanted to do a pilot first because there are like I said there's just there's there are nuances to how that gets rolled out, um, and and we're going to find too that we need to transition people out of the social services industry because a lot of you know that that means a lot of jobs uh, lost and find other work for those people as well. Uh, so that's why we want to do a pilot. We just want to get a really good handle on it. I know that like other parties, some of them are, are promising, uh, you know, full basic minimum income right away. Uh, I, I think that's just not probably feasible. Um, be, be, not because of the cost so much, because I think it does improve quality of life for people in Canada, but because we just need to understand how that impacts the different services. Um, the uh, other other pieces to the platform um, that will help make life more affordable um, are uh, universal pharmacare, which we would be introducing immediately. Um, it would be, you know, it would it would start at one at one end, um, you know, with the most commonly prescribed drugs, and then we would move it gradually out to include all the drugs prescribed by doctors in Canada. Um, and uh, and and I'm not sure how how that would impact with assistive devices, but I, I can see that encompassing assisted devices as well. I'm not sure if that's part of the plan. Um, so for me, I'm like, if, if you get a prescription from your doctor, uh, you know, you should be able to afford it. It shouldn't be something where cost is a barrier to getting healthy. And, uh, you know, I have definitely gone to the doctor and gotten a prescription and not been able to fill it because I couldn't afford it. Um, or had to talk, I have had to stop taking medicines because I couldn't afford to pay for them. Um, so that's something that uh, you know I think will will take the um, will will take a, a huge expense off of a lot of people in our community. We're also introducing um, universal dental care for anyone making less than seventy thousand dollars a year. And here in Peterborough, Kawartha, thirty-two percent of people living in this community make less than twenty thousand dollars a year, and I've often been one of them. So you know that I mean that will cover a huge number of people in this community uh, and just being able to go to the dentist uh, it, to, you know, to get cleanings, to get preventative care um, will actually end up taking a big burden off of our emergency room services as well as making life more affordable for people because uh, about every, every four minutes in Canada someone goes into the emergency room uh, with dental pain and that's something that we could be preventing because that can often turn very bad and you know, people, people sometimes die from the infections that they get in their teeth uh, so, yeah, looking at, at things like 
the basic minimum income pilot, the universal pharmacare, and the dental care for people making less than 70 grand, I think will take a big burden off of all Canadians, but I think specifically people living with special needs um, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and exceptionalities, I think would be, it would be a huge impact um, across the board if we could find, uh, if, we, if we could get those implemented right as quickly as possible. Hopefully that will help you come to your decision if you haven't already. And uh, Bob uh, and I would never presume to tell you how to vote. That isn't our job. Um, But we would encourage you to please, please go and vote. Uh, The uh, advanced polls will be closing uh, on Thanksgiving Day. That's today. That's right. But uh, there will be plenty of opportunity for you to vote on the 21st. Find out where your polls are. And uh, if you have questions, call or email Elections Canada and uh, get out there. You know, I often think that in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be standing for two minutes of silence out of respect to those that won us the right to vote and kept uh, the world free so we could vote, or at least this part of the world. Very important, very important. So out of respect to them, I would suggest that uh, you should consider um, uh, Using that freedom. Yes, for sure, yeah. So hopefully that uh, has been of uh, some help. So let's uh, get back to thinking Thanksgiving there, Bob. There's um, a song by the uh, Bachman-Turner Overdrive called Thank You. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you for the feeling by Bachman Turner Overdrive. Bob, uh, you and I were just talking uh, a minute ago uh, while that was playing about what is uh, music these days. <laughs> and uh, we each have our own uh, opinion on that, don't we? Yes. Well, I, anything I think could be music. You know, even if you hear a drum playing, that's music. Or if you hear a violin playing, no matter, that's music. Or someone with a piano playing, that's all music. And you throw it all together, it's music, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next week, uh, one of the pieces that we'll be playing will be by Angelica Ottawell, who is a storyteller and a harpist in this area. And uh, she's going to be appearing at Harmonious Hauntings that we uh, talked about a couple of uh, weeks ago, a fundraiser by the, uh, for the Canadian Council of the Blind here in Peterborough, and it's a family Halloween event uh, over at uh, Canterbury Gardens. You can uh, park at Westdale United Church and uh, get a shuttle over there. And uh, there aren't all that many tickets left, so if you uh, want a, a ticket for $15 for adults and 7 for children, um, uh, contact uh, ccbpeterborough at gmail.com and uh, you can uh, probably pick one up in the next few days. So we'll have more to say about that next week. But uh, I thought maybe we would finish uh, today's show, Bob, with a song by uh, Murray McLaughlin called The Farmer's Song, you know, because uh, a lot of the food on our table is, of course, grown. Thank you, farmer. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, whether it's uh, animal uh, meat or vegetables or fruit or whatever. So uh, anyway, um, we'll close this up there, Bob, and um, we'll uh, hear Murray McLaughlin with The Farmer's Song. Bye. Farmer out working your field, hanging down over your tractor wheel. The sun beating down turned the red paint to orange, rusty old patches of steel. There's no farmer songs on that car radio, just cowboys, truck drivers, and pain. Well, this is my way to say thanks for the meal And I hope there's no shortage of rain Straw hat and old dirty hankies Mopping a face like a shoe Thanks for the meal, here's a song that is real From a kid from the city to you Straw hat and old dirty hankies Mopping a face like a shoe Thanks for the meal, here's a song that is real From a kid from the city to you well, The combines gang up, take most 
taste of the bread Things just ain't like they used to be Though your kids are out after the American dream And they're working in big factories If I come by when you're out in the sun Can I wave at you just like a friend? These days when everyone's taking so much There's somebody giving back in Song that is real from a kid from the city to you. 